0: You know, I think the pandemic wasn't good for separation anxiety, right? We spent a lot of time together. Yep. So I think now, you know, even the other day, like I went out to dinner with my friend and she was like quite upset about that. And why do grown-ups get to do these things alone? And I want to go. And I would be really
1: honest with her. And I would say, I really enjoy being with my friends and doing things because I am more than just your mommy. Yeah. I love being your mommy, Mm -hmm. but I'm also a teacher. I'm also a friend. So you really want to introduce her to the idea that you have your own life too. She's been shown for all these years that your primary responsibility is to make sure that you're with her. We want to show her and you want to model for her that you are separate from her.
2: Welcome to Pluster Clucks with Lynn Lyons, where we talk about a family's anxiety and other big feelings. Serious stuff without being too serious. I'm your co-host, Robin, and I'm Lynn's sister-in-law, and I'm here to ask your questions. And I'm Lynn
1: Lyons. I'm an anxiety expert, speaker, mom, and author, and I've been a therapist for over 30 years. Parenting can be a Fluster Clucks, and I'm here to help you find your way, and I'll even tell you what to say. So we have another Fluster Clucks in Session episode today, Lynn. I love this episode for a few reasons. One, this is such a common thing that people deal with. It got a little tricky during the pandemic, which I think this is something that this family has been working on. The other great thing about this episode is that the parents have really done a lot of work. They've been working with somebody who, as I love to hear, is working with them, is working with the parents, and they've made some great progress. And this is an episode about how they can take it to the next step how they can ramp it up a little bit and what would be some ways in which they can push the therapy or push the work with their daughter a little farther. So Katie, fill us in a little bit about your family and what's going on.
0: I have a six-year-old daughter named Olivia and she has been dealing with some separation anxiety pretty much since her infancy. And we are currently in therapy, have been with a therapist for about a year. Really, we've seen improvements in terms of the routine separations, like leaving for school in the morning. But when we have separations that are not as routine, um, those separations can be can be pretty difficult. Mm-hmm. When we do like activities once a week, you know, whether it be gymnastics or ice skating. Um, those can be fairly difficult. And really, we're just looking for some strategies to increase her, her independence and her mm-hmm. flexibility. We do see anxiety popping up in other ways. You know, I know you always say not to get stuck in the, the content. Mm-hmm. Separation seems to be like the biggest challenge for her. But we certainly see it in terms of perfectionism, that flexibility piece, mm-hmm. some social anxiety. Uh, with her peers, but really, that separation has been, I would say, the the biggest area of challenge.
1: Okay, and tell me, what are some of the things that you've learned in your therapy? The some of the things that you guys have done that has really been helpful.
0: We have been doing a lot of empathizing and encouraging. So you know, I know it's hard. I know that you're nervous, and I know that you can do this, mm-hmm. and that you are capable of this we did um, externalize her worry. So her, her worry's name is Betty Worry. <laughs> and um, I feel like even just in the last six months, she's like developmentally at the age where she's like starting to get that now. So she, she'll call it Betty Worry.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I feel like that's been helpful, but I'd love to dive in to the dialogue that we use with Betty Worry with you. To just kind of check some of those things out. Okay. I would say we also do with with the therapist like some exposure kind of therapy, right? Mm -hmm. Like bedtime was pretty stressful, falling asleep independently. So like slowly increasing her independence over time. Like I'm going to be out of the room for five minutes and then I'm going to come and check back in on you. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, the next night I'm going to be out for seven minutes. It's been a slow process, but we've had some success with those sort of like slow intervals of separation.
1: Okay. Is she capable of falling asleep alone in her room or does somebody have to be in there with her?
0: So it depends on who's putting her to bed. Uh So my husband has been great at following the structure and he is able to put her, she's able to fall asleep independent of him. Mm -hmm. I did great for a little while. (laughs) And then my husband, I think it started when uh, my husband got COVID. I'm going to blame it all on him. Okay, He got COVID and, you know, I think I was just feeling this like maternal, like I'm going to keep her safe. Uh So this was like in late October Uh that I got in the habit again of laying with her. Uh And it's been so hard to like crawl out of that habit. Okay. But I know that I can do it and I know that I should do it. Mm -hmm. So basically what we did initially, how we like got out of it was how I described before where like separating, you know, I'll be back in a couple minutes and you stay in bed. Mm-hmm. And she did okay with that. I mean, it wasn't, you know, smooth sailing, but mm-hmm. she was able to do it. And I know that she's able to do it with my husband. Mm-hmm. She should do it with me. <laughs>
1: okay. Yeah. And you should do it with her. Yep. Right? Yes. Yes. What keeps you, do you think, what keeps you from being able
0: to separate from her? I think it's like the pain of doing that. Like I know she's going to get out of bed know, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to put her back in the bed. Like it just seems like, oh my gosh, it's been a long day. Like It's a lot of work. Yes, it's a lot of work. It's not that I'm worried about, you know, is she safe or is she sleeping well? I'm not, I don't think that that's the the root cause. I think it's really just the work involved Mm -hmm. and the discipline of get back in bed and I'm a avoider of big feelings. Mm-hmm. I definitely have had like an aha moment over the past couple months that I tend to do things to avoid her big feelings. Mm-hmm. I think that's also factors in. I just want her to go to bed.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> in terms
1: of dropping her off at school or at activities, what have you done that's worked with that? How have you gotten that? Because you said there's been improvements in that.
0: So at school, she started kindergarten this year. So that was a big shift, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, When she was in preschool with COVID, that actually really helped because, you know, you weren't allowed to go into the classroom. You weren't allowed to like have this extended Mm -hmm. stay. My husband does the drop offs um, in the mornings. I think COVID really pushed him to just like do the quick drop off. And that like really helped. Mm hmm. For kindergarten, a little bit of a different setup, but the teacher comes out of the classroom door to greet the kids. So you're not going in. So I think that that's really helpful. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there was a transition period where she was definitely nervous each morning going into kindergarten. But at this point, probably by November, I would say a couple months, she's consistently able without any issue to to be dropped off well. Um, at school. So okay. for activities, it's a little different because we have done a couple of different activities. In the fall, we did gymnastics with one of her friends, like a very good friend, and she had a really hard time going into the gym and staying in the gym. hmm Beforehand, you know, we do the empathize and encourage and we talk about Betty Worry. Mm-hmm. I think a mistake, I don't know if I'm to call it a mistake, but like something I'm realizing is that, you know, initially when we were going to gymnastics, we'd talk about Betty Worry. We'd make it almost into like a funny game where I was like, we're going to kick Betty Worry in the butt mm-hmm. and we're not going to let her bother us. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think I had this more like we're going to extinguish Betty Worry. Right. As opposed to, oh, you know, like you say in your podcast, like, oh welcome, Betty Worry. I was expecting you. I knew you were going to show up. I have shifted that, but like very recently. Okay.
1: Let me just say that's such a good example because of course we want to make it playful, but anything that you do, like you were finding, if you say to Olivia, we're going to get rid of Betty and then Betty shows up. If the expectation is that there's going to be no Betty and then there's Betty, then she's like, well, here's Betty. So that that's a really great shift that you've done to say, okay, so we know Betty's going to show up. We know what Betty is going to say. We know what Betty does. We know the game that Betty plays. Have you seen a difference since you've made that shift?
0: That's a very recent like aha moment. So we just started swim lessons mm-hmm. just last week. So we've only done it once. And I was like, okay, like this is my opportunity to redo this. We're in the car. She's like, I'm scared. I'm nervous. And I was like, oh, that's Betty Worry. Like, of course, I was expecting Betty Worry. Like, good, good. And I was like, come on in, Betty Worry. Like, we knew you were going to show up here. I said, we're still going to do swim lessons. Yep. Even though Betty Worry is here. And I related it to something new that was happening at my job. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I knew Betty where he was going to show up. And I still did what I had to do, even though she was there. So that was a new shift. And we went to swim lessons. You know, I went, walked in with her. We met the teacher. She did great. This is the thing though. I left. And there's like a glass wall where you can see. So she could see me Mm -hmm. like the whole time, which is different from gymnastics. you know, And so throughout the swim lessons, she would wave and I would wave. I don't know if I should try to busy myself doing something else while she's at swim lessons or if I should find a spot that isn't quite so visible. You
1: could ask her directly. You could say, you know, it seems that Betty Worry really wants to know where I am. Yeah. It seems that that's one of the rules. So you could even talk to her about the rules that Betty makes. Okay. So you could say, so what do you think are some of the rules that Betty makes? Well, we know that Betty likes to know exactly what's going to happen. Yes. Because everybody's worry wants to know exactly what's going to happen, wants to know the details, wants to know the plans, hates unexpected things, hates new things. And it sounds like the rule that Betty also has is that Betty has to know where I am. Yes. And Betty doesn't do that with daddy? Nope. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Betty's particularly possessive of mommy And daddy probably has a different approach to it.
2: Do you think seeing a therapist or a psychiatrist would be helpful, but you don't have the time to actually find one? And then like, when do you have time to meet with them? Try Talkspace. By doing everything online, Talkspace has made getting the help you want easy, accessible, and affordable. relationship issues, and much more. As a listener of this podcast, you'll get $80 off your first month with Talkspace when you go to Talkspace.com slash Fluster. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash Fluster to get $80 off your first month. That's Talkspace.com slash Fluster. How are those New Year's resolutions going? only make laundry day easier for you, but it will also be easier on the planet. So help me make plastic jugs a thing of the past. And if EarthBreeze doesn't end up being the 2024 update of your dreams, you don't even have to return it. Just let them know it's not for you and you'll get a full refund, no questions asked. Get started with EarthBreeze and save 40%. Go to earthbreeze.com slash That's earthbreeze.com slash for 40% off your subscription.
1: What if dad is going to take her to gymnastics or swim lessons? Is there a different response?
2: Maybe a slight difference.
1: Okay. And what if you were dropping her F at school? Would there be a difference in the way that she would respond?
0: I have done that a couple of times and it was okay. There wasn't a significant difference. But the rule of Betty Worry knowing where I am is definitely, so like with gymnastics, she'd be constantly seeking this reassurance, like the whole drive there well, where are you going to be? Well, what are you going to be doing? And so our therapist recommends like answering once and then like ignore.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Yep.
0: I'm not going to tell you the answer again. You know the answer Mm -hmm. and ignore. But that does set up like a stressful entrance to gymnastics, right? She's already. Yeah. Her back's already up. So have you been able to do that? Have you been able to ignore? Yes. Okay. Yes, I definitely can ignore. And it's so helpful when I say to her, I I have a hard time ignoring her without saying I'm going to ignore you. So I say, like, I've already answered that question. I'm not going to answer it again. Mm -hmm. And then I can ignore her. Yeah. And she does get upset. Yeah. And
1: that's okay. Yeah. So one of the things you can talk to her about, which it sounds like you're doing, but if you wanted to change up the language a little bit, is that you could say, so there's a difference between information mm-hmm. and Betty needing reassurance. Okay. So I'm going to give you the information mm-hmm. and Betty's going to want the reassurance. The information is I'm going to, we're going to go to gymnastics at such and such a time and I'm going to be here and I'll pick you up. That's good information because we need to have a plan. We need to know what the information is. If Betty asks again and again, that's called reassurance. Okay. And so help her know the difference between the two. And then you can say to her, I will offer you information, but I'm not going to give Betty reassurance. Okay. So then you're just giving her that language a little bit. We all need information, right? If your husband is going somewhere, he'll say, I'm going to go so-and-so, and I'll be back at five. That's just information. And how about when you're at home in terms of her needing to know where mommy is? How does that go?
0: So that's has improved over time. definitely. A year ago, I would have to have, like, a GPS on me. Like, she she couldn't hear me. She'd be like, Mom, where are you? Or, like, if she's sitting on the couch watching a show and I'm in the kitchen. If she sits at, like, the very end of the couch, she can see into the kitchen. So that would be, like, her spot. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the last year she has made a lot of progress in that. She'll even go on to different floors. That was like a challenge initially. Okay. Taking out the trash. If I was taking out the trash, she'd be like, I'm coming with you. And she would like rush to get her shoes on. Mm -hmm. Now Mm -hmm. she's okay with me going out to get the trash. If it takes longer than she anticipates, you know, she will like panic run to the door and look out the door and be like, why are you taking so long? What are you doing? Mm Mm-hmm. So I don't know what to say in those like reactionary situations, you know, where I need to react to her, where it's not like a preparation. Yeah, that's where you want to be vanilla ice cream.
1: That's where you want to make sure that you don't get into what we call content based reassurance. An example of content based reassurance would be you take out the trash. It takes you longer than you thought. She's panicky at the door. You come back in and she says, where were you? Where were you? And you say, it's fine. You're safe. I was just taking out the trash. There's nothing for you to worry about, right? What you want to say is it looks like you and Betty are kind of having a little meeting here. Right. Hi, Betty. You just want to not give it a lot of attention. The thing that really happens a lot with separation anxiety that we really have to pay attention to is this whole idea of telling them all the time that they're safe. Okay. Telling them all the time that you're going to be back. Telling them all the time that you're not going anywhere. That reinforces the idea that the world is a dangerous place, that they have to know where you are all the time, that if they don't have a bead on you, if they can't tell where you are, then that's when things go crazy. So you really want to make sure that you stay away from that language. I see that a lot, actually. I hear a lot of therapists will say, say that Olivia went to gymnastics and it went fine. Yeah. Then the person said, so after gymnastics, we're supposed to talk about, see, you went and you were safe. Every time you use that language, you are saying to her, the world is a dangerous place and my job is to make sure you are safe. So it keeps that pattern going that she is seeking reassurance that she's seeking safety. So be careful with that language. That's helpful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If she's freaking out about something, I want you to say something along the lines of, okay, so Betty has really fired up your amygdala. Has she, has she learned about her prefrontal cortex and her amygdala and all that? No. This would be a good time to go through that with her. I do that with kindergartens all the time, right? So this is her thinking brain, and then she's got this little amygdala. You can draw a picture of her forehead and where her thinking brain is, and the little amygdalas back here. It's a little structure. And talk to her about how Betty is in her thinking brain, right? Betty hangs out, worry hangs out in your thinking brain, and it tells her stories. Mm -hmm. And it tells her stories about scary things that could happen because she's got such a good imagination, right? I've never met a worrier that doesn't have a good imagination. Totally. Her worry, Betty, is firing up this little amygdala. The amygdala doesn't even know what going out to the trash is. The amygdala doesn't know what kindergarten is. All the amygdala knows is danger, danger, danger. You want to talk to her about how worry sets off her amygdala and her poor amygdala thinks that you going to take out the trash or her going to swim lessons or her going to school is dangerous. And so we want to stay away from that safe versus danger talk because that just keeps that process going. So it says to her, I always have to be concerned about my safety. Right. That's what Betty is doing, saying you're, you're never safe unless mommy is right near you. Right. So we want to back away from that a little bit. Say she goes to gymnastics or swim lessons and she handles it. You say to her, you did a really good job handling Betty. Yeah. Which is very different than saying, see, I told you you would be safe. I told you it would go fine. Right. And you can even ask her ahead of time. You can say, what do you think Betty's going to say? And you can ask her this when she's not worried or when you're talking about going to something. What do you think Betty's going to say? You did a great job of giving her an example from your life. Your Betty showed up and said, oh, you can't handle it, right? We want to stay out of the content. Oh, no, you can't do this unless blah, blah, blah. And oh, oh, hi, Betty. Nice to see you. Yeah, of course, you're going to show up. And then making it a game, how aware is she of the fact that this is a thing called
0: worry and anxiety? And does, does she talk about it? She'll say, like, I'm nervous or, you know, I don't think she'll be like, oh, Betty's here, but she'll be like, I'm nervous. I don't want to go she had a play date, which also has been hard, you know, me leaving her at a play date. And so just this past week, she had a play date and I dropped her off Mm -hmm. and um, she didn't want to go. And I said, you know, you're going to go and you're going to have fun. And I think this is Betty Worry talking and Mm -hmm. not you. And then when I picked her up, she said, Betty Worry didn't even show up. Oh, great. So I think she is
1: starting
0: to understand. Okay. She
1: definitely can understand this. Developmentally, she definitely can get this. What you might get pushback if you say, oh, that's not you, that's Betty, she might say, like, it is me, it is me. So throw it in there that Betty is a part of her. Okay. We pull it out, but that Betty is inside of her, Betty is a part of her. It's just that not going to be the bossy part. You can say, you know, we all have an angry part or you can have a fun part. You can have a silly part. And Betty is your worry part. What she will inevitably say is, you keep saying it's Betty and it's me and you're not listening to me, right? I mean, that inevitably come up. So just make sure she knows that you get it, that this is a part of her. But having her talk about it in a way where she is an observer of it, that she notices, just like you're saying, oh, it sounds like Betty Worry is showing up or getting stronger or being loud that's a good way to use that language. But she can definitely understand that for sure. When you're in the therapy, are you in the sessions with
3: her?
0: So it's just the parents. It's not okay. not her at all. So I'm curious, you know, as to what, you know, if you would recommend her joining. It's So it it was started out like once a week and now we're just doing once a month. Yeah, it's just been parents.
1: Okay, good, good. Yeah, no, I'm all for that. If you feel like you're getting good coaching, The reason, and I say all the time, if I had to choose between the parents and the child, if you made me pick one, particularly for a six-year-old, I'm going to choose the parents. Yeah. Right? So you're getting good coaching.
0: Definitely. Yeah. It it makes sense at this point just to continue the parents. Mm -hmm. So at gymnastics, there were a handful of times where she'd come running right out into the waiting room and like I'd have to physically return her back to the gym. You know, she's obviously in that like fight or flight mode. She's stressed. What do you recommend doing in those specific situations to to diffuse or get her back in there? Could you get her back in there? Or if once she came out, was it a. So, no, I could get her back in there. And sometimes I would like wait a minute, like have her rejoin and be like, oh, look at so and so doing whatever. And here's your friend. And look what she's doing. And you know, reengaging her mm-hmm. through like narrating play, narrating what people are doing. So I would say like, okay, now it's your turn to do a somersault. And after the somersault, I'm going to go back in the waiting room. Something like that would work.
1: Okay. So that's all great. You want to do what I call the front loading so that she knows what the plan is. Because the thing that's really helpful is that if she also has the information about how this thing works, and about what you're going to do when it shows up, and what she's going to do when it shows up. Distraction can work sometimes, right? And you can see like, oh, look, if I can get her engaged in this, and she can go off and do that. And that's fine. And with younger kids, toddlers, three, four, we use that a lot. Now that she's able to understand this and be able to talk about it, I think it's okay for you to say to her, sometimes when you're in gymnastics, or sometimes when we're in the house, or sometimes when you go to a play date, When your worry shows up, when Betty shows up, Betty says, you have to know where mommy is. And so if I see you come running out to see where I am, I know that Betty is in control. And I know that Betty has fired off your little amygdala and your poor amygdala thinks that you're getting chased by a grizzly bear. So when Betty shows up and you come running out, I'm going to remind you that here's a time that we're going to do the opposite of what Betty wants. Because every time we do the opposite of what Betty wants, Betty knows that she's not so powerful. That part of you is not so powerful. Mm
0: -hmm. So if
1: you come running out, I'm going to say to you, Oh, hello, right? Hi, Olivia. Hi, Betty. (laughs) Betty, you were in there doing gymnastics. I saw you doing those somersaults. I saw you walking on the balance beam, having a good time. And then Betty shows up and Betty gets in the way of your fun. And you say to her, As your mom, I'm not going to let Betty be the boss of your fun. I'm not going to let Betty be the boss of school. I'm not going to let Betty be in boss of bedtime. And so you give her a little pre-talk. And then when she comes running out, you say, oh, hi, Betty. Mm-hmm. Hi, Olivia. I'm going to walk you back in. And let's give this another try because we're going to do the opposite of what Betty wants. Okay. Now, it would be surprising to me if she would say, oh, my gosh, Mom, that is so helpful. Thank you so much. <laughs> right right? That's why we want to do the pre-talk. So it's almost like you do the pre-talk. The actual in the moment thing can be emotional and intense. And like you say, if she's fired up and in fight or flight, not a lot of learning happens in that moment. And then you do a little post-game analysis. So after the fact, you say, let's talk about what happened. So you were in with your gymnastics class and then up popped a Betty thought, where's mommy? Oh no, danger, danger, danger. And then you came running out. And you want to make it very routine. Okay. You want to make it like, this is what Betty does. Mm
0: -hmm. It's so
1: boring. It's so predictable. Hello, Betty. Yeah. Even though the context might be different, it might be gymnastics or swimming or a play date. She is hearing from you over and over again that this is what Betty does. And that's why writing down the things that Betty says or the Betty rules Yeah, would be really helpful. So you have the Betty rules. And then she talks about, well, how do we do the opposite of a Betty rule? And you can make it a bit of a game. So say in your house, you play a game where so she's going to go off and be by herself in the house.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Well, that is definitely breaking a Betty rule. Because Betty says you have to know where mommy is. Betty says you have to sit at this place on the couch. So you make it a game. I wonder how you can break a Betty rule. And then you involve dad and you say, oh, dad is really good at breaking Betty rules. And you could even ask her, you could say, how does dad break the Betty rules? Because you could even say, it's harder for me sometimes to break the Betty rules. Dad seems really good at it. Make it a game of how she's breaking the Betty rules. I like that. You can make it a game with little rewards. And when I say little rewards, you know, you don't buy her a pony if she lets you take a shower. Yeah. Those reward things that we do, sort of making it a game. They last about a week, two weeks tops before everybody just sort of gets bored with them. So make it just a little thing that you do every once in a while. Yeah, but the
0: more playful you make it, the better. I was dropping something off at my neighbor's house, and she was going to stay in the car, which like is a source of anxiety for her. She was like, "Well, which way are you going to go to the house? Are you going to walk around like the trunk of the car, or are you going to walk around the front side of the car?" And sometimes it gets so. Like, I'm just like, oh, my God. And I yeah. like, slam the door and like, <laughs> you're so ridiculous. Yeah. How can I like better those moments of when I'm like,
1: oh, my God. Well, on the inside, the response, oh, my God, this is ridiculous, is a perfectly appropriate <laughs> reaction because, of course, that is. Take a breath and just say, oh, Betty, you are so frustrating to me. Yeah. Right. And the other thing, too, is that you can have a conversation with Betty. So after that, in terms of sort of the post game analysis, you might say to her, you know what? I could definitely see Betty was totally bossing you around because you were asking me which way I was going to walk around the car. And in my head, I was like, oh, my gosh. And so then you pull out Betty. So you pull her close and you pull out Betty. You and Olivia say, Betty, that is just a silly thing that you were asking me. And I am tired of you bossing around, Olivia. You are being so bossy. And she is asking so many questions. I know that you're the one that wants to ask those questions. And so you're holding her close and you're connecting her. It's mom and dad and Olivia that are sort of giving Betty a
0: little bit of a talking to. Would I say like, oh, Betty, like, would you even indulge that like request for information? No, I would not.
1: If every cell of your being is saying that is a ridiculous question, yeah. trust that okay. because that is a ridiculous question, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Remember, it's all about certainty. Yeah. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. So when you're a parent, you're going to have your fair share of big talks with your kids, right, about all sorts of big topics. One of those big talks should involve money. And Greenlight can help with that. Greenlight is a debit card and a money app that's made for families. It allows you to do instant money transfers. You can get real-time notifications of spending. You can manage chores. You can automate allowance. responsible financial choices. So stop putting off the money talk and start putting your kids on the right path. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash fluster. That's greenlight.com slash fluster to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash fluster. Hey, so the other day I had to change my car insurance and guess what? I bought new car insurance and they sent me a check, right? So that you could buy something and get money back at the same time. Doesn't happen very often and it's pretty darn fun. That's why you got to check out Ibotta. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries to beauty supplies to toys. You can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. So, The average Ibotta user earns $256 a year. That's actually more than I got back on my car insurance, I'll tell you. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. Other apps give you points that don't amount to too much. With Ibotta, just add your offers in the app, upload your receipt, and you get real cash that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. So join the 50 million users earn cash back every time you shop. Over 2,700 brands, everybody. Retailers, including Lowe's, Sephora, Best Buy. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code FLUSTER when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use the code FLUSTER. That's I-B-O-T-T-A, and use the code FLUSTER. The place where parents get caught, which you are not caught because you've been getting help with this and you understand, but the place where parents get caught is they think that the way out of this is just to provide the certain More information, right. More information, right. And you just get caught in that trap. If she says, oh, which, which way are you going to walk? You can say, Betty, I'm not playing your game. Mm-hmm. Or, oh my gosh, And I've had parents say a lot of times, oh, good one, Betty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good one, Betty. So that she begins to recognize it. The biggest issue, particularly with kids this young, is parents provide a ton of information. Right. And I see this all the time. I see it on school accommodation plans. I see it on neuropsych evaluations that the child does better when they know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. And that's just saying, let's see how we can make this anxiety bigger and stronger and more powerful.
0: So another interesting thing she said just the other day was, so her swim lessons are private swim lessons. So it's just her and the teacher. And so she said, oh, I'm excited to meet my new swim teacher. And I was like a little surprised that she said that. (laughs) And then she said, I like meeting new grown-ups more than I like meeting new kids because what if a kid wants to be my friend and I don't want to be their friend? Mm-hmm. So I thought that was like so interesting and I haven't noticed a difference in terms of her like interaction or comfort level with a new adult versus a new child. I kind of just like lumped it all together. I don't want to get stuck in the content. Right. But I thought that was curious and thinking like are adults like just more predictable in their like interactions with her versus Mm -hmm. a child can be there. There's lots of different ways kids interact with one another. Yep. My inclination is to be like, oh, this is like so interesting. I'm going to be like a detective and like figure out like why she has more anxiety with kids and adults. And but, you know, I'm trying to not get stuck in the content does that matter? Should I, should I consider that or, or think about?
1: So here's the thing, right? This is why the content doesn't matter. And this is why when you think like, why? Okay, so here's the answer to your why question. You're exactly correct. Mm-hmm. Is that anxiety wants certainty. Betty wants certainty. And six-year-olds are much more unpredictable and difficult to manage than an adult. Right? In her mind, adults know the rules. They behave in a certain way. Her interaction with adults are fairly consistent. Totally. Mm -hmm. She's probably at this point, she's never had a teacher or a babysitter or a swim teacher that's sort of like run up and yelled at her face. Right. Right? Right? Or said, no, I don't want to share. We follow the rules. We know the rules. So it's all about uncertainty. Yeah. So her saying, I like meeting adults, is her worry saying, this is predictable and children unpredictable. A lot of things about kids make them worry because they're unpredictable, because what if they break the rules? So then they come up with all sorts of different scenarios about how the unpredictability of kids could be a problem. So it could be anything from somebody's gonna get in trouble and misbehave, and then we're all gonna get in trouble, or I'm gonna get in trouble. It could be, I'm gonna go to a birthday party and somebody's not gonna share. I'm gonna go to a birthday party and somebody is going to get upset, and I don't want that to happen. So it's all about unpredictability. Yeah. I mean, that's such a wonderful example of how a little child is looking at the world and saying, what can I count on? What's predictable? And what makes me feel a little anxious because it's unpredictable? And the difference between adults and children? I mean, that's actually pretty nice. It means that she's had loving, caring, consistent adults in her life. What's interesting, too, is then they run into an adult who's not like that. Like they've got a bus driver who screams at them and they freak out. I would say to her, Betty really likes to know what's going to happen, doesn't she? Mm -hmm. Just throw it out there. I think that grownups are a little bit more predictable than six-year-olds, don't you think? I mean, it grabs onto dogs. It grabs onto bumblebees. It grabs onto weather. Whatever is unpredictable, that's what they grab onto. Mm-hmm. So I might even make that observation with her and say, oh, that's so interesting. Grown-ups follow the rules, don't they? But kids, ooh, they are little monkeys running around. Then she begins to understand it in
0: that way. Mm-hmm. Last night, she saw a ladybug and was like, oh my gosh, there's a ladybug. <laughs> Come over and like get it out of the house. I went over. And the ladybug was gone and we could not find the ladybug. Ah. She was like, but where is it? I was like, I don't know where it is. And she eventually moved on, but I did not like connect it to.
1: Well, that's when you can say, oh, yeah. Oh, there's that part of your brain that likes to know everything. It reminds me, remember the thing we used to say about ladybugs? Can you imagine if we said that now? Remember ladybug, ladybug, fly away home. Your house is on fire. Your children will burn. (laughs) Right? Like what? What was that? the old days we were like, yeah, let's just tell kids that they burn in fires. That's a good thing. You don't have to do it in an admonishing way. Just say, oh, we can't know, can't we? This is one of the things we can't know. Mm -hmm. She would benefit very much from you doing the little game that you guys can do at dinner or whatever, where you talk about what's the unexpected thing that happened to you today and how did you handle it? Yeah. So that ladybug would be a good example. So you say a ladybug showed up And then it flew away and we didn't know where the ladybug was going to go. And we had to not know where the ladybug was. Yeah. So that language, you really want her to get sort of marinated in the idea Mm -hmm. that life is uncertain. Now she's sick. So if she says, mommy, are you going to come back and pick me up from gymnastics? You don't say, well, life is uncertain, right? (laughs) right? Maybe I'll show up. Maybe I won't. So of course you give her the information. And helping her differentiate between information and reassurance is going to be really, really helpful.
0: Okay.
1: One of the things that I do with kids a lot, say they're going to a new thing, like say she's going to go to the dentist for the first time, or she's going to go do this for the first time. Mm -hmm. You can talk a little bit, not a ton, but a little bit about whenever we start new things, there are things we know. Mm -hmm. So we know the dentist is named, doctor this, we know your appointments at 11. And then there are a lot of things we don't know. And life is full of this combination. You could give her an example of, on the first day of school, there are things you know, and then there are a lot of things you don't know. We're always living in a world where there are some things that we know and some things that we don't know. And, of course, Betty wants it to be all things we know, and that's just impossible. But you're absolutely on the right track. You're probably moving slower than I would move. Yeah, And that's just also something that I hear, you know, like, that it's all about taking little tiny baby steps. I tend to move a little faster. Many therapists are much slower than I am. If You want to step the foot on the gas a little bit?
0: Go ahead. I mean, I think that's probably more for us than for the friend for her, right? <laughs>
1: yeah. And what you describe, it's a good insight for you to have of being able to say, I have trouble with her big emotions.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There's a name for that, parental experiential avoidance. It means that you have difficulty with your distress and her distress. And so you want to rearrange the world. That's a normal thing. Do you have a little anxiety yourself? Yep. Yeah, me
0: and my husband both, we both have anxiety. Um, so, you know, we're, we're not surprised that it's showing up. And my mm-hmm. parents both have anxiety like it is, you know, and in, in your book, you know, you talk about this cycle. Like there's definitely a cycle. You know, I feel like we're making positive steps in the right direction. And I wish that I had this advice, like when I was a kid. Did you have this kind of separation anxiety? Do you remember? Were you afraid to go places? I was very shy and like social anxiety, but not necessarily like separation from my parents. Recently, you said something like, you know, you don't want your kid to be like, oh, my mom's my best friend or she's my best friend. Like, yeah, I'm totally on board with that. And I feel like she's made great friends in kindergarten. She has friends in preschool. I mean, I do see her making connections with peers, which is yes. great. And I think you're right. Like, I, she sees me exclusively <laughs> as mom. Yeah, right. Which, of course, that's the eyes that she views you
1: with, right? She's a little, she's a little tiny person yes. and you're her mom. It might even be fun for you, you know, if you guys are doing a little drawing or something, to draw all the different parts of you, like all the things, like the teacher part and the mommy part and the Do you have siblings? Yep. Okay, so the sister part, the wife part, and all the different things that you do. When you say that you're going to go out to dinner with your friends, well, because mommy has a friend part. When you begin to recognize your parents as human beings, not just as parents, that's a big deal, and it happens throughout your growing up, but that's a good message to give her for sure. You're doing a good job because you're putting her in activities, you're widening her experiences. Because the thing you really want to pay attention to, which you are, is her social connections. We want her to have friends. We want her to be engaged. We want her to be able to go off and do the things that other kids are doing and to participate. So it sounds like you're really on top of that.
0: So she does, you know, definitely connects with peers. And she usually like really connects with like one person. And that tends to be like her safety kind of person. Yeah, and you know, initially in the school year, I mean kindergarten, she like really was tight with this one person. Slowly she's like expanded, which is great to see. And she has multiple friends. Good. Whereas like in preschool she had like one friend and she, you know, I'd be like, Oh, let's in let's have a play date with so and so. She's like, No, I have my friend. Like I don't need any more friends. And one last
1: thing, how are the teachers with her Are they offering her reassurance? Are they getting sucked into
0: Betty? I think initially, you know, she would ask reassurance, like, how much longer in school is there? Or where, you know, especially at the beginning of the year, where did my bestie go? Like, when she was going to the bathroom, she'd be like, well, where so-and-so go? And, you know, when is she going to be back? And Mm -hmm. so I do think with the, like, how much time is left, they would, like, point her to the schedule, which is listed on the board and be like, oh, you can count how many things are left and that's there for you. And with her friend, you know, they'd be like, oh, she went to the bathroom or she went to the nurse's office like she'll be back. I think they did work to not get in the reassurance loop. But I think they did like provide, you know, that information. Yeah. But I think, you know, her classroom is pretty structured and routine. I think that she feels pretty comfortable in that environment now. We'll see how next year goes. You know, the transition to a new classroom, a new adult, I would expect to see those like reinsurances pop up.
1: Well, and that's going to be something you're going to want to stay ahead of a little bit because you're going to have to train the teachers. You're going to have to give them a heads up and say that this is what we're working on. And so we have to be very careful that the goal is not to give her certainty all day long. That's what happens. And like I said, I will see that on plans. Child has difficulty with changes in the schedule. We need to make sure. And I'm like, no, 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 no. So you're going to just have to give them a little heads up. This is what we do. This is what we don't do. So helpful you are on the right track. You are Thank on you. the right track. Thank you. Don't be afraid to just sort of talk about it openly and to push it a little bit. It's also totally normal for you to get frustrated with it and be like, oh God, that's when you have a word with Betty, right? You can be like, hey, Betty, knock it off. <laughs> you get to dump out some of your frustration and you're not dumping it on her. Right? You're doing a great job. Just as we said, stay away from the reassurance keep her stepping in. Don't worry about the why very much. Yeah. The answer to the why is going to be 99% of the time, the answer to the why is because there's uncertainty in whatever way that might show up. She's clever. So she's going to try and figure out how she can work around this Betty thing and get the information that she needs. So you're going to have to be on your toes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing all of this. It's such a common thing for people to be dealing with with their little kids. So I'm sure that everything that we've talked about and what you shared is going to be helpful. Mm-hmm. So I very much appreciate
0: that. Thank you. Thank you, Lynn.
2: So join the Facebook group so that you can ask Lynn your question on an upcoming episode. Thanks for joining us on
1: another episode of Fluster Clucks. Bye, Robin. Bye, Lynn.